Good morning, Westside. Man, I am so glad you guys are here. Aren't you glad you came today? Golly, man. I mean, God is just, uh, it is so good to be here. We are, as JP mentioned, we're in the middle of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Starvation was coming to mind, but fasting, fasting is the word. Uh, We're in the middle of that. Um, It's uh, yesterday. I know many of you couldn't be here for other, uh, other things that are pressing, but but uh, nine o'clock yesterday morning, and we're going we're gonna to talk about this in the message this morning uh, to make sure that our theology, our study of God is right. Uh, when you truly give your life to Christ, you are filled to the brim with the Holy Spirit. Like you, you can't get more later. It's already there. We can tap into it, but it's there. But can I just tell you yesterday morning, gosh, man, the Holy Spirit was so full in this place. It was, it was so, so incredible. Uh, and so if you get a chance, if you can be here next Saturday morning at nine o'clock, I would, I would encourage you to be here. Uh, even if you're a guest, uh, if you've uh, been here forever, uh, I would make it on your schedule to be here. It was just an incredible, uh, incredible time. Uh, if you've got your Bibles or your iPad or your smartphone, turn with me to Romans chapter seven. Romans chapter seven, we're gonna, we're gonna talk a, a, about a struggle uh, that we all face. So today is week two of our uh, message series entitled Free Indeed. Is that God wants us to live a life of freedom. He wants us to live this life sort of free, but all for him. Uh, but, but then we kind of get into some doubts. We kind of get into uh, some struggles We talked about last week in Genesis chapter 2, we talked about the the Garden of Eden and there in in Genesis chapter 3, I am a very much a believer in the principle of the first. Uh, The principle of the first. Whenever we first see something in Scripture, uh, it just sort of has a magnitude about it and that magnitude in Scripture then is amplified throughout the Scripture pointing back to that principle of the first, wherever we first see this in Scripture. And so what we saw last week in Genesis chapter two was that Adam and Eve were planted in the garden by God, that God had created everything in the garden for good. But he told them that that he had planted one singular tree in the garden called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And not to consume of that tree, but everything else, there was an abundance of everything else, the tree of life, Consume it and consume it freely because what God has for us is only the absolute best. And the serpent spoke to Eve and said, but, but if you eat of that tree, you'll be like God, right? And, and surely you're not going to die immediately, right? Well, that was all true. It just wasn't the plan that God had. And so the tree of knowledge of good and evil now gives us the ability to know right from wrong. It gives us the ability to know how to make good choices and the ability to make bad choices. But here's what it also does. It gives us the ability to do that without God. And so my soul, my my mind begins to guide me. And my lustful desires begin to guide me. And things get all jumbled up because God's not leading me. 
And so there is this burning question that I think all of us have inside of us. If I am saved, if there's been a point in my life where I've given my life to Jesus, and maybe you're here this morning uh, and you don't know Jesus, you've never given your life to him, you're just here kind of checking things out or you're watching online kind of checking things out. Uh, How many of us have seen, like don't raise your hand on this, uh, how many of us have seen saved people not live like saved people? And so I saw that as a kid growing up. And let me tell you what my response was. When I was 17, I left home. And because I was tired of the church scene, I was tired of all the do's and the don'ts. I was tired of knowing all these Bible studies, all the stories about, I knew the story of the Garden of Eden. I knew the story of Moses and I knew the story of David, you know, and Goliath. But let me just tell you, when times hit and they were hard, none of those stories really helped me in life. And so I saw saved people struggle with sin. And I've always wondered how in the world can you call yourself saved and live like that? And so have you ever, I am saved, but why do I still struggle with sin? Anybody ever had that feeling, that thought? Let me me give you a perfect example, all right? As the pastor of our church, I have called our church to 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's It's a movement toward holiness, God, I just want to shut everything else out of my life and be like you. And so sort of our routine around our house is about nine o'clock. Our kids start going off to bed. Lee and I go and lay in the bed. She goes to sleep around 10. I'll lay there and watch TV for a little bit or I'll start reading a book. And then typically, you know, I kind of get, I, I, get I, I, like, I like a midnight snack. I know you can't tell, but I, like every now and then I like to eat. And so on my fast, I'm fasting from food. And so I was laying there Tuesday night, kind of doing our routine. Lee goes to sleep. I'm reading a book. It's an incredible book, by the way, reading this book. And the next thing I find myself doing, man, is I've got me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich fixed. I'm standing in the kitchen, man, and I'm like licking the peanut butter off of the spoon and I realize I'm fasting. As a good pastor, nobody should know that I violated that. (laughs) Why in the world would I as a pastor call our church to fast and two days in, I screw it up? I'm just going to tell you, I've got a propensity to sin. I've got like, why? Now let let me give you the behind the scenes really quick. God called, like, there is absolutely no doubt that God called me to this fast. God would, like, it's really dumb to go 21 days without food. Especially especially when you're a fat guy that likes food. Like, there's no doubt God called me to it. But then I screw it up. Why? Paul tells us. In Romans chapter seven, if you've got your Bibles, look with me. Romans chapter seven, we're gonna start there in verse 21. I'm gonna read this to you out of a transliteration called the message. It's not a Bible. Uh, It is Eugene Peterson's 
translation of what scripture says. And so sometimes Eugene Peterson can kind of just explain it a little bit better uh, than we can read it uh, in, in our scripture. And so I'm going to read this out of a transliteration called the message. And, and this is what Paul says figuratively. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, I'm going to fast and like push food out and get close to God. The moment that I decide to do good, sin's there to trip me up. Anybody have any idea what I'm talking about? Now you bunch of sinners. We'll find another church. I truly, y'all are why I'm sinning. I truly delight in God's commands. Can I just tell you in all honesty, I really do delight in God's commands. I really do. I, I love the thought that one day standing before God, he's going to look at me and hopefully say, Chuck, you did well. Well done. Man, I delight, like to live to just live purely. Like I really honestly do hunger and desire for that and most of you are here because you do too. But we get tripped up. But yet I delight in God's commands. But it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. They're like, you know, and we've heard it this way growing up, you've got the red angel demon on one shoulder and the white one on the other and it's like come on you can do it you won't get caught come on nobody will know you ate that peanut butter and jelly sandwich no, everybody's asleep nobody will know I did wash the spoon and put it back in the drawer <laughs> I rinsed it off and so I wouldn't recommend eating off a spoon in our house right now like there's, there's a tainted one in there I delight in doing what God's plan is, but it's like there's this demon that sits on my shoulder and says, hey, have you thought about doing this? Like, I would never have that thought, but then all of a sudden that thought pops up. Parts of me covertly uh, are rebellious. Some, some of my parts aren't so covert. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. Like, it really is a really simple example, I'm gonna fast, I'm gonna push out food. God, I just wanna hear from you when my body screams out for hunger. God, that's, that is a sign for me to be listening to you. And then all of a sudden, I'm eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's a, God, I want only eyes for my wife. And all of a sudden, something comes up on my Facebook feed. And then I find myself somewhere that I would've never thought I'd be. It's this, all of a sudden, man, I want to get up and start my day with God. God, I want to I focus on praying. I want to focus on you. And then before I know it, I'm getting ready and fixing the kid's lunch, and I never really spend any time with him. It's this, I'm constantly pulled off task. And so I just really want to ask this question. Why? If God saved me, why do I still fall victim to sin? If God really saved me, should I not do that anymore? Shouldn't I at least not have a desire to do that anymore? And so the best way that this can be explained is when we understand back in Genesis 2 and 3 that God formed me, 
God formed Adam and Eve and he planted them in a garden. God formed me. And so the body, the human, is extremely complex. And so it wasn't really as simple as a formation. It was as simple as God spoke and all this intricacy was developed. And so we are intricate beings. And so sometimes we look at it way too simplistic and it's like, I'm saved, I should stop sinning. Well, I I wish it were that way. I, I want us to see that we are made up of three distinct parts. When Paul says that there's a part of me that's rebellious, but there's a part of me that wants to do good. And that's a true statement because there are parts that want to do good and there are parts that don't. And we have to understand what those parts are and then begin to manage those parts. Well, let me, let me say that better. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to manage those parts. Let me, let, let me explain it this way before we get into the parts. Don't, don't raise your hands on this. This is purely rhetorical. If you're watching online and nobody else is around, you can raise your hand. Is it a sin to come into the church with flip-flops, shorts, and a hat on? I, I don't know about you, but I was, this is probably the rebelliousness coming out of me. I was, I, was, I was raised literally that that's a sin because this is the tabernacle, this is the Holy of Holies, and you have to come into the Holy of Holies in a certain way or you're not accepted. Now, that's, that's not a theology that's taught widely that mainly comes off of an opinion. You can actually come into this auditorium with a hat and flip-flops and shorts on. I, I wouldn't recommend this. You could actually come in here naked. Please don't ever do that. You can come in here in shorts and flip-flops. Like, don't, you ain't Eve. We, we, we set up that rule uh, so that we would not be appealed to do something that looked like the world. And so we had to come dressed a certain way and act a certain way. Now, uh, today I don't have on a jacket. I normally have on a suit jacket and I really enjoy dressing up. I really enjoy uh, shirts with cuff links and I mean, I, I like it. Not everybody does. I want you to come comfortable however you're comfortable. If that's a jacket and a tie and cuff links, and man, come on. All right, for you Baptist people, this one may blow your skirt up. <clears throat> it's going it's to be weird if you're a dude. Um, can you go to O'Charlie's, sit at the bar and have a beer? Or is that a sin? Because scripture says, don't be drunk with wine. Let me, let me give you a real translation of that. God is saying that he is a spirit and throughout history, alcohol has been known as a spirit. And what he's saying is you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not any other spirit. Don't be, don't be filling up on no other spirits and being led by that. I've heard stories of people who've been 
filled with those spirits and they do things that they wouldn't normally do. I've heard those stories before. Thank God I have been saved from all of that. How did, I, how did I get saved from that? Why do I not do that anymore? It's because there's these different parts in us. The reason that we've set up these things, don't drink, don't, you know, come to church dressed a certain way, do this, don't do this, do this. The reason we do that is actually very, very good intended methods. Here's the sin. The sin is don't be drunk. And so the way to protect that is don't have any alcohol at all. Well, if you have alcohol at all, now, now you've done something bad because it's going to lead you down a road that's going to take you somewhere bad. And so we, we, we sort of back in these things that are really based on opinion of protection to protect you from sinning. <laughs> Do you know that's exactly what the Israelites did throughout the Old Testament. And it was called the law. And Jesus came and said, I'm not going to do away with the law. The law is good. It is intended good for you. But I have come to fulfill it. He has fulfilled it. How did he fulfill it? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is now what's in us, guides us, directs us. And so we should be guided by the Holy Spirit, not anything else. Come on, church. The reason a lot of folks don't come to church is because of church. Amen. It's because we've set up rules that we can not keep pure. And so listen, nobody likes to live under guilt. And so they just don't come so they don't feel guilty. I remember a time that Lee and I were dating, and uh, it was Easter, and so I felt like I needed to go to church. And this church had these kind of big beams in it, and I was all cocky and arrogant and leaned up against the beam. People were singing, worshiping, and I was standing there very stoically, much, much like I was this morning. And um, Lee leans over to me, and she says, why do you not sing these songs? <clears throat> the song that the church was singing was Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. And I said to her very resoundingly, because I don't believe that crap. I don't believe that. I know the stuff that I've done. There's no way that God could ever save me from that. <laughs> but he did. Gloriously, gloriously saved me. And when I gave my life to Jesus, now I want you to notice, I don't just say that for terminology purposes. When I gave my life to Jesus, not when I prayed a prayer or walked an aisle. When I gave my life to Jesus, everything inside me began to change. And now, now it wasn't that I felt guilty about doing some of those things, 
the Holy Spirit was speaking inside of me and saying, I've got something so much better. I've got something so much better. And so no matter how much my previous life of church experience wanted to guilt me into not doing wrong, nothing held a candle to the Holy Spirit speaking to me and driving me and taking me in a direction that changed my life completely. God, I'm telling you, God is good. I'm just telling you, God is good. In your notes, I left you some notes here, some fill in the blanks. And the the first part that we need to be familiar with is that we have a spirit that needs to be redeemed. Redeemed literally means to be put back to its original intent. When I teach our uh, Connect class in week one, I talk about redemption. And uh, in our living room, we have a ceiling fan. And in the ceiling fan, you know, it's got four lights. And when all four of them go out, when the last one goes out, then you change them. And so the last light had went out. And so I slid the ottoman over to the center of the room, stood up on the ottoman to change the light bulb. Well, I couldn't reach. So what would you do? I got a chair and put on top of the ottoman. So that now I could get, now I could reach it. A little wobbly, but I got it. I changed the lights. Problem solved, right? You know, that's how many of us live our life. It's not what God intended, and there's something better, but it's working, so I'll just continue to live that way. Listen, when I put the chair back at the table and sat down in it, the chair was redeemed. It was now serving its intended purpose. When I sat down on the couch and put my feet up on the ottoman, it's now serving its purpose. That's what it was intended for. Many of us are living our lives unintended. And it's because we're not living led by the Spirit. And the Spirit that is in us needs to be redeemed. There is a redemption effort that takes place. And you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. Come on now. You were dead in your trespasses, your sin, all the stuff that you've done in the past. You were dead in those. You were uncircumcised in your flesh. You weren't part of the godly tradition, Jewish here in this sense. You, you had no right You were separated from him, but God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of your sin. (laughs) I'm just telling you, if you've never been gloriously redeemed, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But I'm just telling you, man, God has redeemed me. He has set my spirit free. I can live now like nobody else gets to live. I am alive in him. When Lee and I were married, I looked at her and I said, till death do us part. We were put together, made as one flesh. When I gave my life to Jesus, we are now one flesh. My spirit and his spirit are now as one. 
The spirit that lives in me is cleansed and free of sin. Canceling the debt, canceling the record of debt that stood against us in legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to a cross. Listen, the way that we are redeemed is through the blood of Jesus. The way that we are redeemed is when Jesus climbed up on the cross and it wasn't that his blood was poured out and it wasn't that he was beaten. It was that he gave his life and through that blood and it showed throughout the Old Testament, he's fulfilling the Old Testament that through a blood sacrifice, our sins were washed away white as snow. Jesus paid it all. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, a great, great Christian guy, loves Jesus, living for him. And he told me, he says, man, I've just got a confession and I just need to share this with some people, but my wife and I had to file bankruptcy. And so we went to a lawyer to find out what we needed to do because we, we were just in a place that we had consumed debt that we just could not, we could not pay it back. And we just needed some legal advice on what to do. And he said, the language coming out of this guy and the lifestyle that he apparently lived, he didn't really see any evidence of this lawyer being a Christian. And he told the lawyer, he said, look, we're Christians. And we have a debt that we consumed. This debt's our fault. And so I want to be able to go through the bankruptcy process but, but I want to know how I will be able to pay these people back once we get back on our feet. And he said, the lawyer got up on his knees and he said, I thought you were a Christian. And he said, we are. That's why we want to do what's right. And he said, you don't understand redemption? And he said, well, I, I mean, I think I do. And he said, look, when you go through the process it's immediate. When you sign the papers, the debt's free. You no longer owe it. You can't pay it back because there's not a debt anymore. You see, many of us live the Christian life that we got to pay back all the debt that we've incurred. <laughs> you have been redeemed. Redeemed. Set aside for a greater purpose. God knew you and formed you before you were ever created. Because he's got a purpose and a plan for your life. But it first starts with redemption. And so listen to me. Listen, if you don't get anything else, get this today. When you give your life to Jesus, sins of your past, sins of your present, and sins of your future are vanquished. We come to Jesus and say, God, I'm sorry for that sin. And he is literally saying this. I don't know what you're talking about. Like I'm looking at, I'm, there's nothing here. No more sin. You are in right standing with him. Cleansed, pure. You're clean. Here's a key question. I didn't put these in your notes, but I would, I would recommend you writing these down. How does knowing that my spirit is redeemed and is in right standing with the Father change the way that I see myself? 
Think of it as marriage. When you are now unified with Christ, he has said, I've forgiven you of everything of your past, of your present, and of your future. I no longer see it. You are my bride. I am your groom. Does that change how you live your life at all? I'll tell you what it does for me. I don't have to live by anybody else's standards other than Jesus. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me as he speaks to you. And so, listen, this speaks to the term that we would use, justification. Just as if I had never sinned, you are justified. Listen, justification happens faster than that. You have been justified, white, clean, sinless. It should change how you live your life. It should affect how you see yourself. Because you need to begin to see yourself as Jesus sees you. You can never live in total freedom until you understand how God sees you. And if you're going to continue to see you as the enemy sees you, you're going to live in perpetual failure. You need to see yourself as Jesus sees you. You need to see yourself as sinless, as living in right with him. But now let's get back to Romans chapter seven. My heart is to do good. I want to live right. I want to bask in the glory of his ways, but yet I sin. Well, the reason is we have a soul that must be restored. We have a soul that must be restored. Now, let me describe to you what your soul is. Your soul is your mind. It is your thoughts. It is those behavior. It is your will. It's your choice. That's your soul. So... There was this Friday night when I was about 19 years old. I walked into a grocery store. And I was there to meet my friend David. We were going to go hang out after that. And I walk into that grocery store and I come in the front doors and, you know, all the cash register things are right there in front of you. And I go over here where David's at. He works in the produce section. And I turned and I said, David, who is that? I don't know who she is. I'm going to marry that girl. <coughs> he said, that's Lee McIntosh. She's dating somebody. Well, I'm dating somebody too. I don't really care. But that girl, that girl, my soul was pounding pretty hard. <whistles> She's got the looks. I, I was 19. I didn't really care about anything else. I broke up with the girl that I was dating. I invited Lee out on a date. And not only was she good looking, I liked her. I'm like, I'm making the choice to ask this girl out again. Like, this is no lie. We went to, we went, went on, went to dinner and a movie. I was so nervous, I couldn't eat, and I threw up. Well, a little bit, I ate. I was like, I gotta go to the back. And I, I was so nervous. My, my soul was connecting with hers. Fortunately, hers was connected with mine. I went on to marry her. You see, my soul connected. I made a choice. 
There is visual. There are all these things. You see, our soul is a beautiful thing. It's what gives us our attitude. It's what makes us who we are. It kind of develops in us. But our soul has a sinful nature. And when Jesus saved you, he is now saying to your soul, soul, you need to catch up to the spirit. Your spirit is cleansed. Your spirit is pure. But you still have these thoughts, these emotions. You get angry easy. You need to be self-tempered. You need to be self-controlled. You don't need to be hostile. And it's because our soul needs to catch up to our body, I mean, to our spirit. You were formed, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Our soul knows the things of God, but it also knows sin. And so it causes me to do things. My emotions cause me to do things. We, we had a situation here in the office the other day, and I kind of got, I, I got in the flesh a little bit, and I said, I'm going to deal with that. Fortunately, I had some good Christians around me. It's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't go deal with that. And immediately I said, I just need, I need to pray, I need to pray. And a friend of mine walked in, and I looked him in the eyes, and I said, I need you to tell me exactly what to do because I don't need to let my soul, my emotions get in the way. And he told me what I knew I needed to do. But that's my emotions. That's my soul rising up. And so the key question is this. Are my thoughts driven by my emotions? Don't raise your hand, but some of you are very emotional beings. Like your emotions are what gets you in trouble. It's because your emotions haven't been redeemed. They are being, here's a big word for you, all right? They are being sanctified. They're in the process of sanctification. Justification, immediate, done, over with. You, there's no more debt. There's no more sin. God doesn't see that anymore. But your soul is being sanctified, and that means that it is a process. Listen, I don't care if you have just given your life to Christ or if you've been a Christian for 70 years you are still in the sanctification process. And here's how I know that, because God has still allowed breath to be in your lungs. He is shaping your soul to be like his. Matthew 4, 19, Jesus said, come follow me, I will make you. Come follow me is I wanna justify you and make you one with me. I will make you, it says, I wanna take your soul and make it like mine. It is a process of sanctification. All right, and the third part of our is, is a body that needs to submit. The body needs to submit to who? To the spirit. The spirit says be one with clothes. The reason that we fast is to get our soul and our body submitting to the spirit. Now let me, let me be a little bit medical with you. You can live 21 days without food. You can. But your body's going to be screaming, hey, fat boy, you need some ice cream. 
Probably the, the most nutritious thing that you could have is a chili dog. That's my body. Those are the things I like. Trying to figure out how to have a chili dog with ice cream on it. Like, <laughs> telling you. That's why I'm in the physical shape that I'm in. But that's my body. And I'll tell you, I've told you all this before. One of the things that God really convicts me about is that I, I have a hard time getting my body to submit to the things that God wants me to submit to. It's because I'm in the sanctification process. God is trying to get me to look more like him. Not in my physical being, but in who I am. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. If you're of childbearing age and you get pregnant and decide that's not what you want, that's your soul, you can go have an abortion. It's legal. Is that what's best? You see, our soul and our body wants to drive us. But it has to be the spirit that's driving us. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. The only thing that's going to dominate my life is the Holy Spirit. And listen, if you're struggling with allowing the Holy Spirit to live, it's because of one of two things. You either don't know the Holy Spirit or your body is not and your soul is not submitting. That's a choice. That's living out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Living out of the tree of life is the Holy Spirit guiding and directing you. And let me tell you, you can have complete freedom in that. And so the key question here is this. Are my actions driven by my cravings? Those things that I desire, those things that I hunger for, those things that I lust after. Well, I just don't love my wife anymore. I like this one over here better. I know you've probably heard this before, but listen, you don't fall in love and you don't fall out of love. You choose to have a relationship with somebody. When I saw Lee in the grocery store that day, I did not love her. In my youthfulness, I lusted after her. But I made a choice to be at one with her. And so there's been some good times and there's been some bad times. But my body and my soul said, God knows what's best for me and he created her for me. And I'm going to stick with her and I want her to stick with me because she is my helpmate through life. That's the body and the soul being submissive to the spirit and allowing the spirit to lead us. Not our emotions and not our desires. So the, the spirit, the soul, and the body the spirit is all-consuming, and the body and the soul are inside of that, and the body and the soul must become submissive to the spirit. And the spirit needs to be the thing that consumes us and controls us and leads us and guides us. Can I tell you, you can live a guilt-free life. You can be free. But the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you and bring on conviction. When, when we are redeemed, we now have the ability to, to discern 
what is right and wrong. As the Holy Spirit speaking to us, we don't have to live by knowledge. I have young Christians tell me this all the time. I don't know the Bible as well as you. I don't know how to live as well. Yes, you do. You have the same Holy Spirit that I have. Now, because of the sanctification process, I am drawn to Scripture and I hunger for Scripture and I may know more information, but now the information coupled with the Holy Spirit, I'm able to discern right and wrong. You can discern right and wrong. There is a difference. And so there's four things that I just want to cover really, really quick. The first thing that has to happen is that your spirit needs to be united with God. That's salvation. Your spirit has to be united with God. Once your spirit is united with God, your body and your soul then must submit to the spirit. You need to fast. You need to pray. And listen, if you want to fast, you don't have to do no food for 21 days. Fast, for, fast from social media. Many people are fasting from two meals and just eating an evening meal. Some people are just eating fruits and vegetables and no meat. But push something out of your life and say, God, I want to begin to, to get my body and my soul to submit to you. I, I wouldn't recommend jumping in doing a liquid only fast for 21 days. Because listen, I'm more concerned about seeing you successful. I want to see you do something, something that you can, it's going to be a challenge, but, but you can see great success and see God move. There's a daily decision to follow the Spirit. A daily decision. Listen, many of us fall apart because we sat in a church service and some joker told us that if we didn't repent and turn from our wicked ways today, we were going to go to hell tonight. Well, that's probably true. It is true. But that needs to be the Holy Spirit convincing you of that, not me. And you need to give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. That is not, that is not user-friendly today. I don't want to change my lifestyle, but I don't want to go to hell. Well, you just made a choice. When the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, there needs to be a daily decision that every day, God, I'm going to get up and I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to follow you. Some days it's easier than others. Because there is an enemy attacking your soul and your body. He can't have your spirit. When you give your life to Jesus, you're good. If you believe that you can lose your salvation, we need to talk because that ain't true. Jesus died on the cross for you. And when you accept what he did, you are a child of his, you are his bride. He is not going to turn his back on you. Now, when you sin, he's going to be brokenhearted. And so you don't need to confess your sins to him anymore. You need to repent of those sins. You need to be broken over those. And you can do that when you have a daily decision to follow his spirit. Do not be conformed to this world. This is Paul talking to the, uh, to the church at Rome. Don't be conformed to all the things that's happened to you in this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Your soul and your body need to be redeemed. That by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and what is acceptable. So, Pastor... Why am I faced with sin if I've given my life to Jesus? 
because he wants you to go through a process of sanctification, understanding when you're out of his will and understanding when you're in and understanding how you can live in the fullness and the blessing of who he is. And so you go through this process understanding what's good for you and what's not good for you. It's the sanctification process. You are drawing closer to him. So don't fight the process. Don't run from church. Don't run from him. Run fully into his arms. God, restore me. It's not a word that we use much, but God, sanctify me. Draw me closer to you. In order to do that, you need to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. You need to listen to him. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. When you give your life to Jesus, God, I die to myself and I want to be like you. At that point, you have been justified, redeemed, new, a new child. All the things of the past are gone. Behold, the new has come. You need to stop living in the past. Stop living in those things that hold you back. Stop saying that I can't. Stop saying that you got to get things right. Today is the day of salvation for you. Today is the day that God wants to justify you. When you choose to give your life to him, God, make me new, restore me. Because when our body and our soul get hungry, at about day three, day four, in a food only, I mean, a no food fast, your stomach begins to growl. It begins to make these loud, gross noises. It is loudly saying, I need nutrients. When your ego hasn't been stroked, I need someone to encourage me. I can't get through life unless somebody pats me on the back. That's our body and our soul screaming out and they get loud. But our spirit says, I'm not going to be in a fighting contest. I'm just going to sit back. And our spirit gets silent. And you say, God, why have you forsaken me? And God says, because you have chosen to eat out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You choose to make your own choices. I've got what's best for you. Just come back to me. Walk in my ways. Follow me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, as we come to you this morning, God, you want what's best for us. God, you have created us to walk in fashion with you. God, you have redeemed us when we give our life to you. There are some in here today, God, that maybe they've been playing the church game. There are some in here that have been living by the rules to simply be unfulfilled. There are some in here today that have no idea what I'm talking about, about the church life, and they're here, and they just feel empty, and they're saying, God, I need, to, I need you to fill me. God, I want to live like you. 
today is a day of salvation for you. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and this is just a time between me and you. And so if, if you will, if you will just honor me in this way, uh, over the next few minutes, please don't get up. Please don't leave the room. Please don't do anything. But let God speak to your heart. Have you been justified? Are you in right standing with God? Have you given your life to him? God, wash me white as snow. If God is speaking to you about salvation today and you will know it, you can feel him in your chest. You know that he is speaking to you. Listen, it doesn't matter if you've been in church for a long time or this is your first time. Listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you today. If he is speaking to you about salvation, will you just pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, I hear you today. I hear your voice. God, today I want to be in right standing with you. I want to be able to sing that song, Jesus, you paid it all. All to you I owe. Sin has left a nasty stain in my life. But God, you cleansed it and made it white as snow. And so God, today I ask you to come into my life, to be the savior of my life. God, today I give my life to you. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if that was you, I'm just gonna ask you to do a couple of things. I'm not gonna embarrass you. But if that was you, would you just raise your hand? Let me know that was you. Thank you. Anybody else? God is speaking to you about salvation. I want you to just raise your hand right there where you are. If God is speaking to you about sanctification, this process of getting your body and your soul in line, I want you to just right there where you are, just pray right now. God, today, I want to learn how to get myself together. I want to be led by you and fulfilled by you. God, today, fill me, draw me, God, I repent of those things. Holy Spirit, move in my life. As the band leads us here in a moment, we're gonna stand and, and sing. I wanna be up front. I'm gonna ask some folks from our prayer team to join me. But listen, as God is speaking to you, as the Holy Spirit is speaking, and I want you to really learn how to listen to his voice as he is speaking, and if he's calling you to come and pray, you can grab me or one of the folks on our prayer team. You can just come and kneel here at the altar. You can pray right there where you're at. But in this last song, in our last moments together, I just want you to really seek God this morning. Stand with me as we sing.